0: How do you define a successful life? If your answer can be summarized as earthly excellence and sacred significance, you're at the right place. Join host Stephanie Smith as she shares three keys unlocking a life of lasting purpose. Learn yourself, love God, and live connected. You'll become smarter about yourself, skilled in human dynamics, savvy about the Christian faith, and strengthened to pass this wisdom on to upcoming generations. And now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Life's Key 3, where we look at how we can intentionally live, unlocking abilities and opportunities with the three keys, learn yourself, love God, and live connected. Hey, if you haven't already, make sure that you visit the website stephaniepresents.com, and while you're there, sign up for the Highlights newsletter. There are speaking engagements and some other resources that you can check out there as well. This year on the podcast, we are walking through significant passages of Scripture because there is nothing more vital that we need to feed into our hearts and our minds than the living vital word of god. And so we're walking through this and we're trying to say how do we make this real and relevant? Not just to store up information that, so we can say, yeah, you know, we we know scripture, but how do we actually apply these things into our life? And we have been looking at the Gospel of John. And John is a writer who actually has a pretty concise kind of writing style in one way, and yet he can be very poetic in another way. And so he's already introduced us to a couple of the, uh, uh, one of the miracles that Jesus did, which was turning water into wine, and to one of the ways in which Jesus confronted the most powerful leaders of the Jewish people and confronted injustice. Today, in chapter 3, we're going to look at the story of one of those leaders who comes to Jesus. He is a man named Nicodemus, and he is of the sect of the Pharisees. All of the Jewish leaders weren't part of the same sect. There were uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees believed in an eternal life. Sadducees did not and then you had the this corporate body of the Sanhedrin and they were both religious and political leaders there so they had the right to uh, not just be engaged with people in terms of religious issues but in economic issues in the judicial system of the Jewish people. everybody didn't always run off to Rome to have their trials. What the way that Rome ruled most of its conquered people was it believed a lot in allowing as much self-rule as possible as long as people continued to do a couple of things. One was pay your taxes, pay your tribute, and number two, don't stir up trouble. Accept that we have conquered you, your land belongs to us, you owe us, and we will have conscription of your people to go and fight in our wars. And as long as we all agree to that, we'll get along and we'll be great. Well, the Jews were one of those conquered peoples that even though they were small, they just never really could just seem to accept that they needed to just settle down and let themselves be ruled by Rome. And so political assignments to, the, um, to this area were not glamorous assignments when we look at Pilate, for example and his being the governor here this was not like a plum political assignment basically this was like at the very low end of the of the spectrum of of power according to Rome so Rome would say to a lot of local people because they didn't want to have to staff all of the um, uh, soldiers as well as the government officials to hear everybody's cases so the Sanhedrin or the Jewish leaders that often held a lot of the um, trials for um, civil cases and even criminal cases, the only reason that later they end up going to Pilate is because Rome had withheld from them the power to issue capital punishment. And history is a little unclear whether that had, when exactly that happened, and did that apply to all capital punishment cases or only some. But anyway, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But I want you to understand that Nicodemus is a person of power here because he's one of the Pharisees, and he comes to Jesus, and he comes to him at night. Why does he come at night? Well, I think we can probably safely conclude it's because he doesn't want his, um, his other uh, people in his social circle to know where he's going and that he's going out to talk to Jesus. And I think it is so fascinating that Jesus doesn't call him out on this. Jesus doesn't say to him, um, tell you what, Nicodemus, if you really want to have a conversation with me, if you're really interested and in believing in me, then I'll tell you what, you are going to have to stand up to your buddies and you're going to have to meet me here. Let's see, let's make it tomorrow at 2 o'clock right smack in front of the temple. No, no, no. You see, Jesus meets people where they are. And that's such an important lesson for us is to have the willingness to not burden people with expectations that really don't make any difference, but to meet people where they are, wherever they are in their faith walk. And Nicodemus says to Jesus, we know that you have come from God because of the signs that you are doing. And we don't know who he meant by we, who's we? Was it he and his family? Was it himself and and one or two of the other Pharisees? Was it a large group of them? We don't know. But whoever we is, they have recognized because of the miracles that Jesus has been doing that Nobody could do this unless they were from God. Now, that's not the same thing as saying that they were believing at that point that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember, God had been sending prophets who could do miracles for a very long time before Christ appeared on the scene. And so they could have been looking at this as just another prophet, but they recognize that there is something special about this person and even if they're not believing that he has has a divine nature they are at least recognizing that he has a divine calling now when Nicodemus says to Jesus hey we recognize nobody can do these signs unless they're from God Jesus doesn't go oh wow, that's awesome hey that's great. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, you know, you're right. I, I am from God. No, 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 he doesn't do that. He immediately makes it about Nicodemus and not about himself. Now there's a lesson for all of us and that when someone comes to us and says, hey, we recognize that what you did there, that was a really great thing. Uh, we recognize that you have a calling on your life and that it's a calling from God. We want to be careful not to have some sort of you know, false humility where we're like, oh, no, it's nothing, and oh, oh, no, I don't know. I mean, that that's not what I'm talking about here, but we do want to be careful that we follow Jesus' model here, which is that he turns it around, and he immediately uses that opportunity to talk to Nicodemus about his need for salvation. Now, he doesn't put it out real directly, but he does come back, and he says, no one can become part of the kingdom of God unless they first are born again. Can you kind of think of yourself in Nicodemus' position for a moment? I mean, let's just be honest. That's kind of a weird way to start a conversation about conversion. You've got to be born again? What? Now, because that has become a phrase that's fairly ubiquitous here in the United States, we just hear that and think nothing, nothing of it. But try to position yourself back at the time of Nicodemus. And here's somebody who's saying, you have to be born again. I mean, that just sounds kind of weird. And so Nicodemus responds to it the way it was. It's like, what are you talking about? Okay, and this, this is just madness. I mean, somebody can't crawl back into their mother's womb and be born again. I mean, come on, Jesus. What is that kind of response to my just coming to tell you that you have, we recognize that you're from God? But see, here's the thing. Jesus is basically saying to Nicodemus, it's, it's great that you recognize that I have a call from God in my life, but that is not enough. You have to go beyond just that belief, and you have to believe that I am the Son of God. You have a sin nature that needs to be reborn. It needs to be made new, not just tweaked, not just adjusted. It needs to be made entirely new. And Jesus makes a profound statement there that John writes about in a very concise way. But we have to pay attention to this because Jesus very plainly says, Unless you are born again, you cannot the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It doesn't say unless you do good things or unless you're sincere or unless you try. Um, to, to be a really good person. It says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to address, because Nicodemus has brought this up in a very tangible way, and Jesus comes back and starts talking to him about wind. And so we go from thinking about a physical birth to wind, and Jesus is using the wind to say, you can feel the wind, you can, you can see the effects of the wind, but you can't grasp the wind. It comes and it goes, and, and you can't control it, but you certainly are affected by it. And in the same way, when we are born again, it's not this physical process, a tangible process that we can wrap our hands around. It's not something that we can go, oh, yep, that happened, checkbox. It is more abstract. It is more... Nuance it is more mysterious, it is like the wind. How do we harness the wind? I mean, we talk about that, but we never really, truly harness the wind because we don't control where it comes from or where it goes and so, in the same way when people are born again, we don't control that mysterious process, but it's as real in what it it accomplishes in us as when the wind blows and it we we feel the effects of that we can see the effects of that whether that's great or whether that's um, severe devastation and in the same way when we are born again it's this mysterious event but we can absolutely see and feel the effects of that as can other people but nicodemus still isn't convinced and he's like but but how 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 can this be He's somebody that seems like he's looking for something tangible. He wants this logical step-by-step explanation. And there are some things about life, and there are some things about the spiritual life that every one of us have that there is a mystery to them that we cannot quantify in the same way that we can, for example, with our, our physical bodies. And so Jesus says, well, how can I explain this to you? If I can talk to you about things that are earthly, and, and you won't even believe me about that stuff, then how can I talk to you about something that is is spiritual? And this isn't a condemnation of Nicodemus. I, I don't see that. I think it's more of saying, Nicodemus, look at your perspective. Look at what you are seeing here. You come to me and you say that, We recognize that you are from God, okay, and yet when I tell you certain things, you don't believe me. You are living with a contradiction, Nicodemus, in your own life. You are recognizing that I have a calling from God, and yet you're not listening to the very things that I tell you, just the basic things that I tell you, you're not believing them. So if we can't basically pass kindergarten belief, then how are we ever going to graduate from a high school level of belief? And, you know, we want to, to think about this in our own life. You know, one of the three keys is to love God. Sometimes we confuse that with we say love God, but what we're really doing is we're just learning a lot about God. And that is very different than loving him. When we say that Jesus was the son of God, we need to incorporate that into the reality of how we actually live our lives and the love that we have for him. Otherwise, all we're actually ending up doing is just learning about God, which is no different than what Nicodemus was doing here. And then Jesus goes ahead and he plants a thought in Nicodemus's mind. And he references back to the an event in the Jewish history of when Moses had lifted up a cross with a serpent on it long time ago, and that and for a situation that happened there, and people had to look at that serpent on that cross in order to be healed from the snake bites that they had been receiving, and that's that's a whole other story. Um, But he's planting this seed in Nicodemus' mind because he knows that there's going to come a day just a few years later when Jesus is going to be lifted up on the cross. And he's wanting to go ahead and plant this thought in Nicodemus' mind so Nicodemus, when that time comes, can look back and go, oh, yeah, he talked about that. He talked about it to me specifically as an individual, and that is a call to belief in him. So there's a couple of things that I think we can especially take away from this. Number one is that to be like Jesus, and that is to accept people where they are. When people come with their questions or their thoughts or their ideas, and they don't really have all their beliefs worked out, then we want to speak to them at a time and a place and in a language that is something that is captivating to them and respectful of them. And then secondly, it is also to understand that we can have a knowledge of God. We can even have a belief in his, uh, his goodness, but we have to go beyond that. We have to enter into the spiritual realm of really accepting and believing everything that he says is true, not just thinking, well, we, we don't have to believe this, but we can believe this over here. No, no, no. It's not a, it's not a piecemeal belief system. It's an all-or-nothing belief system. But the end result of that is eternal life. Yes, it is. We have an eternal existence. We don't just live here on this planet and then poof, that's it, we die. Okay? And I know, I know that there are so many people around the world that believe that, and I think, how sad. Because if that's the case, let's just be real. Life is just too hard in this world, and I'm not just talking about at an individual level. I am talking about the fact that life on this planet, now and historically, is just too filled with pain and torment and shame and despair and hunger and war for it to just be like, we just go through all of this, and then for what? But for a believer in Jesus Christ, this is the worst it will ever ever get all right my friend like i said if you haven't already hop on over to stephaniepresents.com sign up there for the um, weekly highlights newsletter check out speaking engagements and other resources that are there and most of all as you dig into the word remember this you have an impact that is immeasurable eternal and irreplaceable thank you for listening For information on speaking engagements and other resources, visit the website at stephaniepresents.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.